the red flag flying here. Come on. Yes, what's happening, people? It is Political Unmuted. My name is Dan Lewis, and we have got the full house in tonight. Obviously, I am in place of John, who is off on sad circumstances, but there's mad love all around you, Bridget. All, all the energy, all the good energy and that, and I'm sure you're probably watching. So, Wagwan, I'm keeping a seat warm for you till you get back and get live again. In the house tonight, who have we got? We've got... I don't know what order it goes on your screen because I can see it here. So I'm going to go in my order. Um, we got to my left, Paul Daly. What's happening, G? Yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> and then below me down here, I don't. I think the comments are below me, but is Stuart. What's happening, Stu, Stu, Stu? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, man, what's happening? And obviously down there, that way. No, no, that way. Oh, I'm confused now. But we got Jane. Jane is here. What's happening, Jane? I have I'm far too much is happening. I don't know where Paul's been. There's too much stuff at the moment. <laughs> There's too much stuff. Just too much stuff. Stop all of the stuff, everyone, and just stop it all. And let's everyone sit down and watch some Encanto and sing lovely songs. Anyway, and then at the very bottom there, but by no means uh, the very least in any way at all, it is the one, the only, the never, ever replaceable Samantha Townsend. Well, one with a bad man sing, girl. Hello. <laughs> well hello how are you you okay yes <laughs> brilliant fantastic all right let's let's get into the show big up everyone it's been a long week it's been a lot's gone on they're letting in some refugees but keeping other ones in detention centers mps are continuing to claim for their gas and energy bills and all of that while the rest of you are getting a 200 pound loan from rishi sunak to deal with the increasing thousand pounds a year to your energy bills it's all right, isn't it? They claim thousands, yours goes up by a thousand. You get how it works. In the rest of the world, well, things continue to roll along. And here we are on a Tuesday night, living a vida socialism. No, it didn't work. I tried it, but <laughs> I'm too high. I was going to make it rhyme, but, you know, I, I need to stop smoking before I go live on air. It's crazy. Anyway, what's first up, Paul? Where do we go to first? Is it... Um, Moment of I've the week. Your- yeah, moment of the week. Oh, my days. I'm going to do my one last then. Paul, what was your moment of the week? Actually, go backwards. Sam, it's not backwards, just from the other way. Sam, tell me. <laughs> shall I, shall hey. I do the jingle as well? Shall, do you, yeah, do you want to hear it? Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Do, you my bad. do the jingle, bro. No worries. <laughs> Fab, yeah, seamless. Just this is the high quality you can expect from this show. <laughs> uh, Tim in the comments does mention that I'm co-hosting a public meeting on the situation. Look at me getting all meeting because you're all like not using G's. Um, <laughs> a, a meeting uh, on the situation in Ukraine. Now I'm going blurry. Uh, um, tomorrow at Bishop Auckland Methodist Church. There we go. Um, at seven. So if you're around, please come. But my moment of the week is I'm really proud of myself because I stuck up for myself today. Somebody called me a parasite on email before giving me a list of jobs to do. And I asked him to correct his behavior and he didn't. So I blocked him. So I'm proud of myself. 
called you a pa- that's that's deep you know people are deep are, are you okay i'm sorry you had to go through thank that. you thank I'm you sorry. yeah yeah it obviously uh people are getting the council tax bills at the moment and he, i guess he thought that all the council tax was going to me personally um so uh yeah it was a bit uh you know these things you're just doing your job going through your emails you know chasing things up and then something like that jumps up but so it's not nice but um I have made it so he can't contact me again so there we go I I, I'm I'm not going to repeat what Julie said because this is being recorded but check out Julie's comment a female can read it I don't want to read it out (laughs) 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 but it's all about inboxes and jokes I like that people but I'm glad you're all right Samantha um, okay. that made me sad to hear that, but I'm I'm glad you're all right. Moving on, let's see what was your moment of the week, Jane. So, um, my moment of the week was a sad moment of the week, and um, Channel 4's um got a documentary they've just brought out about the Jamie Kyle show, and I was watching that, and it was so horrible. Um, and I should probably just say they did speak to the makers of the Jamie Kyle show and Jamie Kyle, and they denied that um the you know the claims made about them are true, and they feel that you know. There's, there's the wrong perspective on it but watching the show it was so sad and I couldn't help feeling a bit of collective responsibility because I do remember seeing the show when I was younger and I remember feeling uncomfortable about some of the things that went on on it and feeling that there were people who were from you know potentially very vulnerable and that the way they were being treated and you know the way the conversation was being steered was very damaging for them um, for themselves and for their lives and their futures um, and I have to say that when I when I heard there'd been suicide in relation to it or suicides um, allegedly it didn't surprise me um, and I didn't do anything about that not that it's all about me but you know I didn't even write a letter to ITV saying this isn't great you know and I, I didn't you know I didn't have Twitter I didn't have social media then but I don't know just struck me the way collectively as a society that I don't think I could have been the only person who must have realized that that wasn't quite right and how we somehow just accept these things this is how it is and there's nothing I can do about it so you know where you'd think that our collective like reaction would be to say this is terrible how can we stop it but we kind of go oh and just switch off you know I stopped watching it because it wasn't very nice and I feel a bit rubbish about that now but I mean, not like I say, it's not all about me, but I don't know. It just made me think about how we do things. I hear what you mean. I hear what you mean. It's, sometimes it's like we're, we're looking through the window on some of these things. Uh, the TV screen is just a window when actually we've got to remember there's real people. I suppose that that's similar to, to Sam's experience in that that person was just looking through the window thinking, you're parasite, when really they forgot that there's another human on the other side of that. And uh, too often that happens in, in this world, isn't it? We forget. Real people Definitely. are there. Wow. Well, I hope you're feeling better now, though. You know, there's always, there's, it's always learning opportunities to be able to move on and that. You get me? Yeah, I'm all right. So, yeah, maybe maybe I'll be a better person for that. Good energy and all them tear. On to being real. The realest of the realest is Stewie Stew, Stew McStew Stew. Wagwanji, what's the moment of the week for you? Uh, I had a complaint. Complete brain fart. Uh, myself and Sam, we went to some uh, public speaking training and we were asked to speak about other people uh, on, on our table, our little group. So I'm, sta- I'm, I'm stood up speaking and I forget the first person I've talked to's name. 
and she's staring into my soul. I could tell you everything else that she said, you know, uh, where, where she was born, how she grew up, every detail, but I forgot her name, totally went blank. And I was like in a room of people that I wanted to look relatively, you know, capable in front of. And uh, it'll never happen again, I'm told, which is why I've not forgotten the name Melanie ever since. I'll take that to my grave. It'll be, the, it'll be you know, burned into my brain for the rest of my life. No, Leanne, Leanne, I definitely, I get what you mean, Leanne. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, how was your, I get you. No, I tried to make you <laughs> smile, but it didn't work. <laughs> I'm too tired for that. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?" laughs> oh, Stuart, do you know what? I've, I've been in a similar thing where, like, they do lots of, like, where you're sitting there talking to people and you have to pick up on things they say and stuff and listen. That's why you notice, like, you, do you remember people used to take Ed Miller, take the mick out of Ed Miliband for it, but every time he asked a question, he'd go, uh, what, what, what's your name? What's your name? Th thanks, Leanne, Leanne. Thanks, great question, Leanne. And he'd write it down and he'd say their name as well. And that's a way to try and remember people's names so that when you come back to them with the question, with their answers, you say their names during the answer and it feels a lot more personable. Pen and paper was banned. I, I would have killed for a pen and paper right there. I would have cut somebody's guts out if I thought I could have wrote with the blood. <laughs> oh, my days. <laughs> Paul, moment of the week, brother. Uh, mine's going to be just, uh, I normally go really big picture, so I'm going really small picture today. Um, this is something we're doing on our local community. So I've been uh, made vice chair of something called Making Wingate Welfare Park Wonderful, which is a group where we're going for loads of money to try and improve the local facilities for people so we can do something. So we're going to try and build things like maybe a sports pavilion. Um, we're going to improve the play facilities down there. We're going to try and do have a cafe, do all sorts of things. These are the things we would like to do by like Sam elected onto the parish council, which is only small scale stuff, but it's the kind of thing that we would like to do there. But the money just isn't available for those things. And a lot of these things, it's kind of like you have to go and you have to do a bid to ASDA or something, and then ASDA will like provide you the money. So it looks like capitalism is really, really good. But actually, if they just paid the taxes directly, it's probably a lot less than they would have paid in tax. But you know, we've got to we've got to try and work within the system that we have in order to do it. And we've got some really, really brilliant people involved with that. So um, kind of exciting to be involved in something where you're doing, where you're actually hopefully going to change a few lives for the better in a really fun way. Because I think we get bogged down in all the awful things that are going on and we have to try and address those things. But at the same time, uh, we're going to have to have some well, there's bread and we, we get people the bread and we need to get people the roses too, don't we? And and try and uh, have people enjoying the life. So, yeah, that's that's me. Give them bread, give them roses. Me love that, man. Hey, that's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. And big up uh, Leanne in the comments. Uh, seeing my gym tank buddies smashing it. Come on, big up the gym tank people. It's all about that healthy life and everything. Um, yeah, that's lovely, Paul. I'm glad to see you doing that. I got involved in a community campaign once. We tried to save a pub. I know um, it didn't work out in the end, but, you know, we brought people together. So that's the good energy you get out of it. Do you know what I mean? My moment of the week, a nice little quick one to round us up at this section of the, of the night. Um, basically, uh, a lot of you might know I'm involved with the World Transforms, which is a festival uh, that runs alongside the Labour Party conference. It's not a part of it. Um, 
and it's it's all about music politics arts culture good food good people good vibes and dancing um this year it's going to be in liverpool which is where i live so we had some of the staff team up to meet some people from liverpool get involved in like some local stuff that's going on and have some food and have a good night out and see a few venues so that was really good that was my moment of the week i'm really excited and i used it as an opportunity to plug the festival that i, I volunteer for so it's all good vibes all around dunno that dunno um samantha was there any good ones you picked up from the comments by the way we're just talking about different times in which we'd forgotten people's names. I think I've got the best one because I've had parents' evenings where I'd forgotten the name of the <laughs> child that I was talking about. Apparently, Neil says he, he forgot the name of somebody while he was on a date once. I think we're all really proud of Neil that he got a date. Well done. Try again. <laughs> I'm just being mean. Oh, um, please. <laughs> um, Tim says, Paul, when you've got a minute, let him know if he can help you with your project because uh, he's got some ideas. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'll be in touch. I noticed Tim was saying a couple of things as well. Apparently, I, I was brought up again. Tim keeps on telling me I'm I'm brought up in his conversations, which is kind of good in a, in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. uh, obviously. You know, I'm I'm making some waves. I hope it's in a positive way. He also mentioned that uh, he say that says that Chelsea are scared to play the mighty Borough, and I like this. Chelsea have tried to get the game for the FA Cup. I think it's the FA Cup. Um, played behind closed doors, um, because they think it's unfair that I think everyone wants Chelsea to lose at the minute, and like you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be um there'll be Ukraine flags in the in the crowd and I think they're trying to get it cancelled for that reason. Well, play behind closed doors for that reason. And it's like, why would we help you, Chelsea? You know, why why should you get any special treatment, you know? But maybe more on that later. <laughs> oh my days. It is certainly the topic of conversation. Oh my days. Um talking of topics, pattern that, come on. Um Go for it, Paul. <laughs> now it's time for the big story. Love that. We nearly got there. We nearly got there. Considering we didn't plan it, I think we did good. Um, all right, the big story. Uh, whose is the big story? Is this yours, Paul, or was it Sam? I was going to lead off, yeah. I'll be, Sam, go I'll for be it. brief. Um, so the, the big story is that apparently because there's going to be this energy crisis, which there definitely wasn't going to be any kind of cost of living crisis before the war in Ukraine. But now that there is going to be a war in Ukraine, there's going to be inexplicable and totally unforeseen um, 6% um inflation um and and energy prices going through the roof of course that was going to happen anyway um but apparently in order to try and stabilize the prices of uh fuel mr johnson has been to saudi arabia to see if he can get fuel from them instead of the murderous Russian regime. He'd rather get it from the murderous Saudi Arabian regime. Um, Saudi Arabia, um, that they executed 81 people at the weekend. That's the story. Only 81. Only. You forgot only. Only. Um, So, you know, that's the topic of the day, isn't it? Why, Why are some 
horrendous murderous regimes better than others why are we happy to trade with Saudi Arabia um, and not with Russia Um, but the thing the other thing (laughs) the other thing is this whole the whole concept of the energy crisis and the fact that the world is burning and you know fossil fuels are bad and unsustainable we've known this for what like 50 years now it's not a surprise it's not a new thing and we have had the opportunity to invest in in different solutions um and yes it's probably going to be a mixture of solutions, um, but they don't have to come from Russia. In the northeast of England here, we are literally sat atop um, mine water, geothermal, which could heat most of our homes um, for obviously the, the installation costs, but the actual heat would then be free. Um, we can make the laws so that people can share solar pa- solar energy between houses and within communities but the government choose not to introduce those laws so it's just so frustrating that it's like this is the only choice possible but there are actually many other choices possible than buying oil from Saudi Arabia but that's the choice that this government seemed to want to make um Paul Oh, um, yeah. So while Paul gathers his thoughts, right, I'm going to add in something, just yeah. a little fact. Last year, I'm trying to remember the figure. I'm terrible with figures. I think you lot know I used to work in a bank. So um, the the chair of the like fraternity of oil creators or oil industry companies in uh, the Middle East. They had like a meeting and they agreed it was something like 64 million more barrels of oil would be created like every month out of the Middle East. So that like basically what I'm saying is the people who are in charge of how much oil they pull out of the grounds, they've decided they're going to up it a big amount. They're pulling the gear stick right back on the amount of oil. This works perfectly into their hands. It's nearly as if they knew. Go on, Paul. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think my angle on this is is always to have a look at why certain regimes are our friends and our allies, and other regimes are our enemies. So I'm gonna I've I've spoken to a few people about this kind of thing. I've I've mentioned Yemen a fair bit this week to people that I know, and some people really I don't know if it's deliberate. I don't know if it's a, a weird reaction to it, but they think by me bringing up like trying to make an equivalence between what's going on in Yemen and what's going on in Ukraine, that I'm somehow belittling what's going on in Ukraine, which makes me, it shocks me to be honest, because I'm very anti-war. I, I think it's awful what's going on in the Ukraine. Like I want that, I want that war to be over right now. That's so obvious. And anyone who knows me knows that's so obvious. Um, the greatest humanitarian crisis of the 21st century has been going on for seven years in Yemen. And it has been entirely the Saudi Arabians picking on a much, much weaker um, country and just bombing them, just bombing them constantly from the air. Um, You talk about a no-fly zone in Ukraine. Um, You know, a no-fly zone in Ukraine possibly could have led to all sorts of different things. Could have led to having to shoot down Russian planes. Could have led to all sorts of things that would escalate the crisis. I can understand the argument against it. But 
in Yemen, there should be a no-fly zone because the only people flying over Yemen are the Saudis trying to bomb them. And they've used also 230,000 deaths. 230,000. I don't know how many deaths are in Ukraine yet, but it's nowhere near on that scale. Um, we're seeing people dying of malnutrition because the infrastructure is absolutely destroyed. We're seeing people dying of their injuries from being bombed. It is utterly, utterly horrific. And the only difference I can really see is, well, there are two differences. One, um, people from Yemen are brown, generally. And I think that's I think there's a form of racism with this where one thing matters or maybe it's because it's further away. I don't really I don't really know what people are in people's thoughts. But the other thing is as well is we as a country are providing them with weapons and we are providing them with strategic support. We are providing them with, with information in order to help their targeting systems, if I understand that correctly. For me. There's very little we can do to stop Russia from doing what it's doing. But we could, today, make a choice not to support Saudi Arabia's bombing campaign. Now, given that uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the leader, the, the, the king of Saudi Arabia, asked Boris Johnson to intervene in the buy-in of Newcastle United, we're back to football here because the Premier League found them not fit and proper owners, Given that Roman Abramovich has been stripped of having Chelsea, but Boris Johnson stepped in to allow them to buy Newcastle United, what's going on here? Where's the like like Roman Abramovich is loosely associated with Putin? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think get rid of all the billionaire assets, seize the billionaires' assets. I'm into that right now, massively into that. But I don't understand why Abramovich gets this treatment, but the Saudi government get positive treatment when they are homophobic, when they are like, you know, pushing, uh, it's been reported that they're pushing gay people off the top of buildings. They're executing people. They're doing mass executions. They are bombing, bombing Yemen, you know, and they're and in what's described by the UN as the worst humanitarian crisis of the 21st century. What's going on here? Why are we not stepping in? Now, Boris Johnson is going over there to try and make some sort of deal for oil. But for the first time ever, he's not having any journalists travel with him. Or it might be just one select journalist. Normally, teams of journalists will go. And he said something like, oh, we're not afraid. We're not afraid to bring up uh, human rights violations with our allies. What are people doing human rights violations doing being our allies? Why, why are we allying with these people? And I think what we need to, I think we really, really need to look at what we can do as a country. If as a country we made a decision not to get involved with this whatsoever and not to help, maybe we could save some lives right now. But we can't do that in Ukraine yet. We can help with humanitarian efforts, but we could have a huge impact on Saudi if we just said, stop bombing people for no reason. I don't even know what it's over. I don't even know what the war's over in Yemen and I've not had it properly explained to me by anyone, despite the fact I've tried to seek out that knowledge. That's me. I hear you, man. I've just got a little I hear bit. you. Yeah. <laughs> but I've like, it was passions and it's right. It's right. I agree with you. Did uh, Stuart or Jane, did you guys want to jump in on this? I'll, I'll jump in. Because, uh, like, even if you're, you're not a 100% behind a green economy, a greener, brighter future, and even if you discount, you know, how awful 
Saudi Arabia is. Boris Johnson and his team have come out on record of saying, oh, we knew what was going to happen in the Ukraine. This was, you know, the outcome that we foresaw for a long time. They're on the record as saying that this was the outcome that they, they foresaw. Why didn't this uh, meeting uh, to go seek alternatives take place earlier? Why now? Why are we, if we're considering that, you know, being re reliant on Russian oil is a national security risk, why are we now putting our national security in the hands of another dictatorial regime? Why, why are we thus lowering our influence in the region with regards to, you know, making positive changes with regard, you know, human rights violations? We will have less power if we are dependent on something that they can turn off for us. There's, been, there's no political will to protect uh, British interests with regards to, to fuel, energy, unless it's put in, in the hands of a, a, a foreign nation. That's, that's just across the board, no matter, you know, generally which way you believe in politically, that's just not common sense. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Jane, what are you saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but now is the time that we need to be investing in green energy and green infrastructure. It's already too late, but not too late in the sense of don't bother. We're well behind. We need to do it now. We don't need to be writing stupid articles about why young people on top of being homeless for their whole lives and paying back a £50,000 student loan should pay extra to make make up for the crisis we just need to invest in the green energy we need that green new deal with those good jobs there's so many benefits there's just no reason not to do it but instead we're going cap in hand to a murderous dictatorship to make ourselves beholden to them for such a fundamental and thing that we need as a country it's absolute madness and i just can't get my head around why why on earth we would be doing that 100 man i think like from the comments that i've been able to catch as well i think um sam will correct me but um overall people are generally in, in agreement with you guys on this one what are you saying sam what's the comment saying yeah i mean mary says uh the uk would shake hands with the devil for money uh amelia says great britain is not so great we're, we're behind in this country um and jackie saying similar to what's just been said that we're not learning from the mistake which is the energy security is national security so if we're not gonna and it's the same with steel by the way if we don't have control over our own steel production then we don't have control over our own weapons production if we are in a war situation um so we really and food let's not forget food that's kind of important you know and what have we done to our farmers over the last six years you know we've driven out of business so we, we really need to uh, look at those things seriously. Uh, like, like Jen says, you can't keep putting this off forever just because it's, it might be politically difficult for you to invest in renewables. It needs to happen now because um, it hasn't happened before. It's magical. There was this guy um, about, where are we now, 22, so two, three years ago. And he was talking about like, kind of investing in the UK in things like, energy um creating jobs well-paid jobs that were good for the environment investing in uh, homegrown food um homegrown jobs 
um, like manufacturing, bringing steel back to the UK, protecting the steel place that got sold by to a Chinese company, or was it the Chinese government? I can't remember. But yeah, and he was talking about all this kind of stuff. And he, but they they apparently he was like some balmy communist or something. Like I, I quite like communism. So, but yeah, he was like this balmy communist, and they made him out like he was in bed with Putin. And it's mad because like he's not into gas, he's not into oil. So why would he be mates with Putin? Do you know what I mean? And then they made out that like he was mates with like the Saudi kings and stuff. But he was like in support of not having them visit the UK when they had the red carpet rolled out for them in London, as if they were our royal family. Not that we need a royal family, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. They just made out like he was an idiot or something. But he was talking about all the things you guys have just been talking about in terms of war and, and looking after ourselves. <gasps> Amelia Corbin. Yeah, Corbin. That's the guy. What was his name? James Corbin. James Corbin. <laughs> that was the guy. James, Jeremy. Jeremy. Cor I forgot about that guy. He, he, he spoke about all of that stuff. It's mad. Anyway, it took me a while to get there, but I got there. Any <laughs> my my uh, my my opinion on all of this, yeah. Like honestly, it just I, I suppose I'm where Paul's at really in terms of like the fucking hypocrisy of all of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just and it stinks. And and off of that, one thing I've found slightly frustrating from people that I've spoken to is the a lot of people, when you do do the comparison, I suppose, between what's going on in in terms of Russia and Saudi, people are like, oh, yeah, but it's like, no, no, no there's no but to it. I'm, I'm telling you facts. I'm like, yeah, but when you put it like that and I'm like, no, I'm not putting it in a certain way. I'm giving you facts. I'm giving you facts. Don't worry, Neil. Palestine's going to get mentioned tonight. Definitely. Like it's purely on the minds. Um, but when you are... Um, when you are talking facts, people, they're like, but you're you're twisting it, aren't you? You're making it your own narrative. And it's like, no, no, this is actually happening. We are actually going to Saudi Arabia to do a deal for oil while they are beheading people and or slaughtering people. I don't know. They're slaughtering people. That's the word that's been used. Um, and 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 but at the same time, it's like we do it totally differently. So you're 100 percent. I 100 percent agree with you. Next up, guys, is the freedom and fairness. That's what I've got written down on my title. And I think, is it Jane? Yes, thank Jane you. Jane is bringing the freedom and fairness. I am. But first, I just wanted to mention Neil's comment in the um, chat. Um, he asked when none of us mentioned Palestine. I just wanted to assure you, Neil, that it wasn't intentional. Um, I think that's something that was um, quite high on our um, minds as well there. So obviously what's happening in Palestine is disgusting as well. Um, so on that, on that want... note, do you, do you mind if I just mention one thing that no, we're go not going to mention sh through the show? So a new <laughs> law has been passed about the reunited re reuniting of families in um, in Israel, um, and it is being considered to be a greater level of apartheid than they would have even done in South Africa. They they, they tried to put this through the South African law courts, and they decided no, this is too sectarian to apartheid for us um and yet it's passed in uh in israel and um it's going to mean that like families can't be reunited and also means that uh you know you are a second class citizen if you are other than jewish in um in israel 
which, you know, I don't understand how anyone could come to the conclusion that that is anything other than a form of racism um, where one one group of people is favoured over others. And I think we need to highlight those things as well. It's absolutely essential that we challenge <laughs> absolutely everyone on all these things. Um, so, yeah, um, solidarity with the people of Palestine and uh, and the people of Israel who would much rather have a non-racist government. Definitely. Go ahead, Shane. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Um, right, so um, yesterday um, the Supreme Court, UK Supreme Court, has decided that Julian Assange's application to appeal um, the, his um, extradition to the US has been refused. So back in January 2021, a judge had um, ruled that Julian should not be extradited to the US because it would be um, potentially harmful to his life. Um, the High Court in the UK um, then quashed that verdict or um, cancelled it. I'm not sure what the right word is. Um, a few months back in December, um, and today, and Julian launched an appeal. Today, the Supreme Court has said no, they're not going to hear the appeal. Um, so that means that the assurance is given by the US um, that they will not, you know, keep him in conditions that might harm his life. Those won't be scrutinised. Um, so what they've said bearing in mind that whistleblowers from the CIA have come forward now and um, and given evidence that the CIA plotted to kidnap and murder Julian just a few years ago. Um, we're now saying it's safe to hand him over to those people because they've said they won't do anything to him um, that might endanger him unless he does something they don't like, like saying that it was quite nasty of them to plot to murder him. That would not be on really so um so that's fine um and we think that's okay at the supreme court the decision now sits with pretty patel ultimately um so she's going to decide what happens there um, so in america should he be extradited he will face 175 years in prison although these people who did plot to murder him allegedly have assured us that he'll probably only get five or six years um and this is basically for espionage charges um and he's facing these espionage and hacking charges um, because he published evidence that the US government had committed human rights violations, killing tens of thousands of innocent people, committed torture, bombed children, had death squads, murdered Reuters journalists, bribed foreign officials, bullied less powerful countries to harm their own citizens, and corruption of allied nations' judicial inquiries into US wrongdoing. So. Um, I don't know if it's worth thinking about how many of these things Putin is doing at the moment for which we'd quite like to destroy his country. Um, and that's not to say that what Putin is doing isn't evil and wrong to the people of the Ukraine, but it's worth thinking about the fact that other so-called civilised countries are doing things just as nasty. And I don't want this to happen to anyone. I don't want it to happen in people in Ukraine, but I also don't want to it, ha it to happen to other countries at the hands of governments like the US. Um, we've, there's also the fact that um, a key witness for the CIA has um, in the meantime admitted that he fabricated key allegations in his statement um, in return for immunity, um, but nonetheless they are still going ahead with this. Um, so I wanted to mention too, because I was reading the BBC article, um, and the BBC, like a lot of other mainstream media in this country, has been reasonably quiet over the years about what's happening with Julian Assange. And I was quite I was quite surprised to see that they did, 
you know, note the fact that um, amongst the things that he'd revealed was the fact that the US military had killed, they put hundreds of civilians in Afghanistan um, and noted that it was during a war, which I thought was an interesting way to have worded it. Um, and they put um, that he'd revealed that 66,000 civilians were killed by Iraqi forces um, and that prisoners were tortured by Iraqi forces in the Iraq war, which I thought was also interesting because I would have read that as meaning it was the Iraq soldiers and not the US. But then what I thought was more interesting was that reading on in that article, um, they had a paragraph on um, the international arrest warrant against Julian from Sweden some years back, which they said for a sexual offence allegations. And they pointed out that the Swedish authorities had wanted to question him over a rape and molestation, but that Julian had said, both encounters were entirely consensual. So I thought this was an interesting way to phrase this because what actually, well, I say what actually happened, I don't know what happened, but I do know that both women's statements were altered by the police, which should not happen. And one woman refused to sign her statement before leaving the police station because it had been altered to the extent that she said it did not say what she was alleging against Julian. So I thought that, um, yeah, I thought the way that the BBC had reported that was quite interesting, given those facts. There were never actually charges against Julian, um, despite the police having changed both women's statements. Um, there were never actually charges brought, although they did obviously issue an arrest warrant. Um, so, yeah, that's the facts about Julian Assange. He will be get, he's been given permission to marry his fiancée Stella on the 23rd of March in Belmarsh Prison, which where he's being held at the moment. And um, on Stella's Twitter feed, she's looking um, for ideas from people of things they can do to publicise the wedding to raise awareness about Julian. Um, so that's Julian. I wanted to speak to you about um, someone called Wife Badawi, but I don't know if we wanted to speak about Julian first or go on to that as well at the same time you know what you gave us some facts I I didn't know some of that stuff do you know what I mean like I knew it but like I didn't know it do you know what I mean it was like thank you that that was that was tight that was tight like I learned a lot there are you guys feeling educated yeah we we had a great show on this before um that Jane organized and I think it was one of the few that I haven't been on and I sat and listened to it in the gym one time um and it was absolutely brilliant so if anyone wants that we do have a show on socialist night live all about that but yeah jane's really summarized it brilliantly there um and it's extremely worrying what's going on and given given what you said about the the freedom of the press as well and, and given this is all about everyone should be up in arms about this every journalist should be up in arms in this and it's really interesting that you've got like the likes of peter Orborn who is a right-wing journalist, who is constantly coming out against this narrative. And I think everyone thinks that he, the right-wing journalists have this integrity about them that he has as a right-wing journalist who entirely politically disagrees with us. But he's got integrity, and that doesn't seem to be universal. I think a lot of newspapers at the moment, given like, you know, Lebedev, who owned a lot of the newspapers and supported Boris Johnson, which we'll probably talk about in the Ukraine section. And then the BBC, like, photoshopping Russian hats onto Corbyn while ignoring Tory donors. And now all of a sudden they're interested in Russian Tory donors. It's an absolute mess. But if journalists should be fearing for the lives here because that was some of the best journalism that was done um certainly like you know well ever by uh by wikileaks 
and the fact that he can be tried for espionage in a country to which he is not in which he is not a citizen and extradited to them he's not an american citizen he's nothing to do with them he owes them nothing it wasn't <coughs> espionage he didn't do anything to uh, towards his own country like you know so if someone can be extradited to face charges in a country in which they couldn't possibly have done the charge that they're trying to trying to um criminalize them for then journalism is in a very, very worrying state and it could be literally any of us if we find something interesting out and, and come out with it. I hear you, man. Have I dropped out? No, you, no I'm just still in. Yeah, it's frozen. It's still here. It's calm. I got worried there. What were we saying, Stewie uh, or Sam? I wasn't saying anything. I, I'm just... Uh, the the whole the whole Assange thing, I just don't have enough space in my brain to keep it all in. And every time somebody talks about it, they bring up new things that I never even um considered. Um it's just it's just like you said, it's, it's a bit of a worry that um that we're letting somebody go somewhere that, you know, is probably not safe and uh, you know, if there are the charges to be brought, they can be brought here. Surely, I don't, um, I don't, don't know enough about it, so I'm going to keep quiet. I hear you. Yeah, it's a difficult one because I think for a lot of people, it's it's very difficult to garner the facts, which is a bit of like what you've covered there, obviously, Paul. Like a lot of people, they will give their opinion on these things, and I think that's why a lot of what you said, Jane, for me was like. Oh, okay. I've heard that before, but I thought that was someone's opinion. I didn't realize that was facts. You know what I mean? The other way around. So it is difficult. Yeah. How about you, Stu? You got anything on this one? It's one of those one of those things where the way the media presents things, they can make it dead interesting. If it's something that you know they really want to get out there, or they can make it really long and hard and complex to understand, uh, and people will turn off and and not be interested and certainly with regards to mainstream media there's like the zero trust there anymore is there you know it's it's kind of it's killed off the whole idea that we we kind of submitted to to smarter people you know the the age of the intellectuals kind of died the, the age of the expert has gone the way of the dodo and it just fades into this whole thing where conspiracy theories are more interesting and get on the news more than facts do. What's the point in facts, eh? Yeah. Do you know, I remember one time I was in a cab, right? And it's mad because Liverpool's such a lovely open place, but we end up with the maddest taxi drivers. Not all of them, not all of them. I hear you, not all taxi drivers. Anyway, um, I just get the maddest taxi drivers. And this guy, he's, I'm on the way into town and it's about a 20 minute drive. Uh, there was probably some traffic, so maybe longer. And he's ramming on about how he doesn't like this and he doesn't like that. And he gets on to Muslims and he spends a long time talking about how he's got Muslim mates that think Islam is bad and how he thinks Islam is bad and all of this stuff. And I'm like, and then I'm saying to him, like, he's talking about immigration and I'm like, well, you're wrong. And he's like, but where did you get that from? And I'm like, it's facts. That's the actual fact. It's not where did I get it from? It's a fact. It's it's a thing. It's because something has happened. It is real. 
And he's like, but it's your facts. It's not my facts. And I was like, I don't get you. And he went, exactly. And I was like, what? And he's like, because it's not my facts. You're not going to get me. And I'm like, what? No, I don't. I don't, I, 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 there was nowhere I could go. Anyway, after this whole time of him ranting about how much he hates Muslims, I was turning up at an event in front of the free graces on the beards, the liver building and that. Um, and he dropped me off where there was, I think there was around 10,000 Muslim people coming together with around 5,000 people from the local community to celebrate Ramadan and break bread together um, as the sunset and do prayers. Um, so it was a really beautiful moment in the face of one racist, ugly, uh, facts denying taxi driver. So there's a lovely little moment there to for you guys to think about while I take us on to the next subject. Um, oh, which Dan, I, sorry. Go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. I just wanted to speak about Rife Badawi whilst we're on this. Oh, go okay? for it. Go sorry. for it. So um, Rife Badawi, he's a Saudi blogger and he had a blog about democracy and human rights so in 2014 he was sentenced to 10 years in prison in Saudi Arabia and mm. 1,000 lashes so publicly flogged 50 times per week for 20 weeks um, so he's served his 10 years in prison he's just been released he didn't get an early release um, and he's but he's under a 10-year um, travel ban his um, wife and three children now live in Canada so you know, he served his 10 years, he's been um, publicly flogged, um, and now he faces another 10 years in Saudi Arabia, um, or separated from his wife and his three children. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, obviously. Um, I mean, we're speaking about Saudi Arabia in this show, and um, we've not touched on what happened to Jamal Khashoggi, which was absolutely mm. horrific mm. um went into the um i think it was the saudi consulate in turkey um under the premise of getting a certificate to allow him to marry his fiance he was living in the us um and he was murdered and dismembered um by people um linked to the saudi state um and you know there's been investigations by the UN um, and I think it's in the New York Times and Washington Post, which both concluded that, um, you know, the very top of the Saudi state was involved in that. Um, so I just thought on this, whilst we're talking about press freedom, I just wanted to raise this and um, the things that are still happening there. And, um, you know, whether this is maybe something also we want to think about when we do business with a country like Saudi Arabia, rather than building some wind turbines. I think Dan's frozen out. He's back. He's back. <laughs> Do you know what? I've been moving stuff around and I knew this was going to happen. I was like, all right, I'll set everything up and I'll leave it absolutely still so it won't affect. And do you know what I just did? I just tapped my laptop and everything went, no, nah, we're going to die quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, mean, I only missed the end of what you were saying there, though. Like, I've been gone for about less than 20 seconds. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Jane, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I missed where you're up to, obviously, but if there's a link like where we can kind of, there's actions we can take and stuff to try and help. So Reporters Without Borders have been doing a lot on this. Um, and I, I know that they are, um, I think they're raising funds at the moment um, for reporters in the Ukraine. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything they're doing um, for um, Rife, but I'll have a look and um, see if there must be some petitions out there um, so I'll find that and put the link up. Wicked. Thank you so much, Jane. Um, another one for people to check out. 
I don't know if um, Samantha, you've got the link to this, but I can share it. Um, I just want to do a little shout out for the Canary because I am fully aware that Socialist Think Tank, um, let me send that. There you go, Samantha. Um, Socialist Think Tank are members of the Media Fund or the Media Association. Is it called now? IMA, isn't it? IMA, that's it. The Independent, Independent Media, Media Association. That's the one, yeah. Used to be the Media Fund. Um, but yeah, the Independent Media Association, who are basically a collective of independent media organizations um, like Socialist Think Tank, uh, Squawkbox. Um, I think the White Pube are involved. You know, you've got a wide range of different um, media groups that are involved. One of them being the Canary, um, who launched uh, an Amplify mentoring program uh, last year. It was uh, December 2021. And basically their plan was to give young working class people hands-on experience in independent media. Um, and basically they're just announcing um, that they've the, the project has gone through, it's run, and they're going to be sharing some of those stories so, that have been written by young people ages, I think it was 16 to 21, I think it was the age group, um, and they're going to be looking at some of the work they've been doing. So go, go check out The Canary, big up Steve Topple, who was recently presenting this show, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember that one. Um, so yeah, definitely go check out what The Canary are up to on that one. That was my little plug on the back of that. Was you able to share that link, Sam? Yes, I did. Fantastic. I also shared a link to the Independent Media Association a little bit further oh. up. Uh, do go and have a click around. Last time we were on, we talked about them, and then I click around and I, I subscribed to Red Pepper magazine just like because mm. I could. Um, so and I've just clicked on again and I've gone and joined some mailing lists and things so those are very little things you can do mailing lists like in facebook pages and twitters doesn't cost you anything does it and it just helps you push those messages a little bit further so I like, for you I like, genuinely have like some of the best energy in the world <laughs> I, I like um the the prisoner as well the prisoner the prisoner are great um We've had people on there from, we've had uh, Juan from the Prisma on one of our shows before and they do like international news um, and it's all done from the the um, the viewpoint of um, refugees and immigrants and things like that. So it's really, really good. And Milk the Cow is really good at the, I'm loving listening to Milk the Cow podcast as well. Uh, that's That's been great lately. So check those out too. Yes, yes. Big up the Independent Media Association and the Canary, Dunno. Um, right, I don't think we've got a lot of time left for the last bit, but I want to make sure we get onto it because it's important, right? Yeah. Which is what's happened this week. Do we have a do we have a theme for what's happened this week? Yeah, it's it, it oh, uh, well we're gonna we can we've got one more jingle if you want. We can do another jingle, which is this one. <laughs> So who's given us a roundup of what's going on going on this week? This is uh this is the Ukraine, isn't it? The Ukraine situation. Um yep. Yeah. I, I, do, you, do you want to go, Stuart, or shall I go? You go, Stuart. Mine will be, you know, there's a war, there's awful things, tragedies. Uh people are trying to help. Governments are not trying to help as much as they could. It's 
you know, terrifying, uh, sad, miserable. People are very uh, consciously aware that, you know, what war kind of means now. That it's kind of, you know, it's in the back door of Europe. But, like, it's war's been going on for a long time. This isn't the only war. And, you know, this kind of feeling and energy needs to to be picked up upon because other people in the world are feeling this in the, in their own back gardens. Uh, I'm just very sad. I, w- I was asked by uh, a friend and he said, do you think there'll be any justice for Putin? And he, w- he wanted me to say that we'll, we'll see him in court one day being done for war crimes. And it, I, I don't have an answer. They just want an end to this, don't they? It can't come soon enough. Yeah, it can't come soon enough. A war to, to this in Ukraine and like just, just just all over, like Paul was saying before, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it, the worry for me is we've got this really childish narrative, haven't we? Of like, there's there's, there's a bad guy, Putin, and then, then if Putin stopped, then somehow this will this will there can be justice because putin can be punished now there's there, there can be no justice that matches what putin has done they launched the invasion but remember putin is not one person putin, no no one person could do this alone he's got the infrastructure of a country that they robbed from the people you know they had um the interesting discussion i had this week where someone said to me e, i didn't realize that um, russia were capitalists i thought they were communist like, well, they haven't been for a long time and whether they were ever communist, actually, they were state capitalist um, where the state owned the infrastructure, but the people had no power. You know, like that isn't that is not communism. That is not what communism yeah. is supposed to be. But um, put that aside, Russia is one of the least equal states in the world. And they gave the infrastructure to people like Roman Abramovich and Lebedev and all these all these people who've been very, very close to the, the British government, very close to Britain, have been laundering the money here. Um, and that that structure, that structure where they need power, this constant need for more and more money, is what's driving certain things. And and you know you can you can look at the Russian point of view and say they feel surrounded by NATO. Yeah, I can I can kind of see that because there aren't very many bases, there aren't very many Russian bases based around other countries. Um, they've pulled out of other areas of the world, so I can understand that argument. But it doesn't mean you're invade somewhere. But at the same time, we're going to have to have a much more mature look at this about whether this constant arms sales, constant need for for building more and more weapons in order to make people richer and then creating wars in order to generate that and also warring for energy supplies rather than having energy security in a country, whether that's a sensible way to go about the world. I don't think it is. I don't think getting rid of Putin will solve that problem particular problem i don't think seeing putin in the hague will solve that problem i think there's other people who are in the country who would like to see other world leaders put in the hague for illegal wars but it hasn't happened it doesn't happen to big powerful countries it happens to smaller countries when they do something so you know we need to change like look at look at the way the narrative has changed around like say venezuela for example um you know all of a sudden Venezuela, oh yeah, yeah, I saw an article saying Venezuela accepts capitalism. 
because the US have lifted sanctions on Venezuela because they're now going to buy Venezuelan oil because they were trying to cripple the country because they were trying to be more socialist. But now they're capitalists again. It's okay. They're capitalists again because they're selling us their oil because we want it now. And it's like, they're not capitalists now. So this evil country, remember the right wingers just like screaming, Venezuela! It was about like when Jeremy Corbyn was going for leader of the country. They were going, Venezuela! And, like, and now Venezuela, great, oh yeah, great, great Venezuela. You know, like veins <laughs> popping out of their heads and things. Uh, <laughs> so... We need to change this <laughs> utterly ridiculous childish narrative around war, around capitalism, around helping one another. And it's really funny because you're always told that you're really, really naive if you believe that there can be a better way. Actually, this is the way things have to be. This is the way grown-ups do it. Grown-ups do it this way, you know. You know, this is what we do. Oh, we, do we have to go to war because we're grown-ups. It's like absolute idiocy. I am tired of it. I am so sick of it. Reminds me of this thing. Uh, a guy said to me once, like, God rest his soul and all them thing there. Man's dead now, but, you know, he still said it. But um, I was like, he was talking about the nuclear argument, innit? And he and I was like, just remove it, innit? I'm all, I'm all down for, like, everyone removing the weapons at the same time, but I'm also down for, if you've got a weapon, remove it. If other people don't, that's their choice not to remove their weapons but we'll encourage them to remove theirs like we've removed ours. I don't see the point in why we've got them. Anyway, you get my drift. He said, but Danny, if I punch you, what are you going to do? I was like, probably nothing because you're a 60-year-old bloke. It's not like <laughs> I'm going to punch you back, is it? But if I wasn't a 60-year-old bloke, would you punch me back? And I'm like, to be honest, no. No, I don't. I don't generally just immediately punch someone back because they punched me I, I, I kind of work out why and say John don't do that again do you know what I mean like I'm not I'm not asked and he's like but you'd, you'd think about punching them back wouldn't you wouldn't you like the option to be able to punch back and I'm like I get your point you're saying if someone strikes me with a nuke I'll strike them with a nuke how about if you punched me it killed me like a nuke would kill all of us would I be able to punch you back or nuke you back no. So where is this conversation going? No war ends well. None of it. Mm. So if no one has weapons, or at least one group of people doesn't have weapons, we're starting the progress into stopping war altogether, right? Look, look at the ludicrousness of the situation, even like if you take the nuclear argument aside, which is completely bonkers, the idea that like nuking people is more sensible than not doing a genocide. Like, oh, you've got to do a genocide. You've got to, you know, sensible mm -hmm, people do mm -hmm. genocides. That's the argument, isn't it? Like the, the people come up with. But aside from that, British weapons were being used by ISIS in Syria because it is alleged that the Saudis bought them and gave them to ISIS and then ISIS were using those weapons to attack British soldiers in Syria. Like, this is stupid. That That is utterly, utterly stupid. Don't give them the weapons. Don't sell people who are going to use weapons against your weapons. The only reason do you to do that is to make profit for people who sell weapons. That's the only logical way, reason to do that. Do you think if we stopped making weapons, like, you know, just stopped making weapons, there'd be less weapons in the world? Yeah. 
and we could kind of stop people, you know, weapons getting into the hands of terrorists like Tony Blair and George Bush. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy, bruv. Or yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to continue because I could get yeah. But you get me, and 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 that's the whole thing. It's like war is inevitable, but it's not okay when Palestine fight back. Yeah, with a storm. It's it's. Do you know what I mean? Because you know they haven't got British weapons handed to them. They haven't got you know money funneling into them via spurious routes and stuff. Like literally, this is old women in the street who are called terrorists you know people people trying to just basically keep their houses not not get not displaced not killed hospitals blown up or just toppled over schools removed education removed all of that stuff just removed these are people just defending their lives why it's not okay you know what i mean mm. it's all right if you're white though you can fight for yourself if you're white Apparently, yeah. Apparently. It's, there you go. There it is. By the way, big up anyone if you've logged in via my TikTok. I've been live on TikTok while we've been on live as well. So big up all the TikTok people. Sam, what's the comment saying? Well, we've we've solved it. Good news. Okay. <laughs> Good news. Between me and Net Neil, we've solved it, right? So he says, can we not give them those huge cotton bud things that you see as on gladiators, right? So let's give let's give the leaders pugil pugil sticks. Pugil, that yeah, that's right. Well done. Yes. And then we can film it, right? And put it on the TV where they used to put Jeremy Kyle on. There we go. The show's over. That is it, people. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you've got you've done a full full circle. Wasn't it Neil who had the date where you forgot the person's name? Yes. You've gone from forgetting someone's name on a date to solving all of our world problems this week. Mm. You're just a genius. You're bigger than Kanye right now. <laughs> <laughs> Put that aside though. Isn't that sort of what the Olympics is? So we can kind of come together and compete against each other in a in a nice way, and then go home afterwards without anyone being dead. Um, isn't that sort of what that that's meant to be? But as soon as there's a war on, they're like, "You can't come to our Olympics," <laughs> and all these Russian that, athletes no. going, "I hate war." When they're like, "Well, oh. you can't even be on. You can't even do anything. You can't even do your sport anymore. You can't earn a living. It's just a and weird." when you get the rare footballer or athlete who decides to be political about it, even though look at what's going on in all sports right now, as you just said as well, mm. you know, we don't do politics. We don't do, we don't, don't, don't stand in solidarity with a country. Yeah. That's bad. Find Celtic a hundred thousand pound for, for having their fans wave some Palestine flags, but then, expect every single football team to wave Ukraine flags. You know, that there's a, there's a, there's a false unequivalence here, I think. Not a fan of flags, to be honest. I don't know. What do you, what, let's have a quick temperature check. Stuart, flags, yay or nay? Yeah. I mean, national flags, not flags in general. Jane? Uh, I can take them on leave, though. I'm not fussed about flags, really. Not asked. Sam? I'm a fan of flags. I could probably find a flag right now. But like national flags, national yeah, yeah. flags. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Paul? 
uh, I'm I'm not really a, a flagger. I'm not a I'm not a flag guy. Um, a flag shagger. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in it. But if people like them, you know, whatever. I like You're red flags. You're not a steer karma. You're not a steer karma. No. So generally, the vibe it's, it's it's mad. Flags in invoke something about people. See, I've got a flag that says "Total Eclipse of the Sun," and it flies seven foot above us when we're at festivals. It's brilliant. But you wouldn't catch me probably flying a national flag. You know what I mean? It's like. I think when they're in your living room, especially if you're on a Zoom call, then they irritate me a lot, actually. Yeah, then I'd <laughs> gladly not have any flags. I don't, don't get the whole flag in your living room behind your computer thing. I'm not going to move too far because I don't want to knock the wires, but I have got a red flag behind me. But I bought that as a cover to like <laughs> a red, kind of a red background for something. But anyway, I think we're due uh, a little bit of our break now, isn't it, Paul? It is, yeah, yeah. Look at that, so, I'm only five minutes behind time. Yeah, it's been good. So uh, shall we have our five-minute break and come back and deal with all those beautiful comments? Let's do this. All right, see you all in a couple of minutes' time. Oh, we're back, we're back, we're back. <laughs> come on. L- listen, before we jump onto the flag thing, big up John, by the way, yeah, because we saw John in the comments. So mad love, mad good energy, respect, love, and all of that to John. And yeah, Samantha found a flag. You were right. She was right. All she had to do was turn around and there was a flag. What, do you want to educate us? Flags with Samantha, like flags with children. Absolutely. As, uh, Stuart <laughs> rightly, quite rightly said, welcome to Fun with Flags. <laughs> this is the County Durham flag, which you will notice is the same colours as the Ukrainian flag. Because County Durham is the best place to live, obviously. Um, so, yeah. Uh, this has, like many flags, as uh, Mia says in the comments, been hijacked by people for nefarious reasons, which is one of the reasons I like flags, because they're not taking it from me, right? They're not having it. It's mine too. Um, I am famous for, or not so famous for, <laughs> um, trips around Durham Miners Gala with a massive Union Jack Union flag hanging around myself because there had been uh, far-right rumours spread the year before that the Durham Miners Association wouldn't allow the British flag to be in the miners, uh, in the, the the miners gala, which is obviously bullshit, uh, and I proved that it was bullshit, and I enjoyed that. There we go. <laughs> I love uh, it. Bit of flag education for the people. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you will definitely come away from this show educated. Right then, I think you will all agree that Dan did an absolutely fantastic job at the first part of the show well done uh, like an old pro and uh, John is in the comments and he, and he watched you and he approved so that's the best possible approval you can have um I'm just going to flick through some comments and we're going to have a bit of a prattle on um because because yeah. it's the internet and we can just we could literally just talk as long as we want actually because we're not constrained by the things that the uh, mainstream media constrained by. Can like I plug something flag related. Flag related? What? Go yeah, for it, yes. We have on our socialist think tank shop, we have a 
we have a socialist think tank banner, which is a bit like a flag. So we've got like lots of socialist think tank T-shirts and stuff and hoodies. But also we've got for St. Patrick's Day coming up, we have our special Irish independence one with a starry plough um, on it. So, you know, starry plough, the flag of a United Socialist Island. Um, and we've also got one with a Palestine flag on, I think, uh, solidarity with the Palestinian people. And we've also got um, an LGBTQ plus flag one as well. So if you are more of a flag guy or girl or non-binary person, you can uh, get yourself a nice T-shirt with a flag on it. Awesome. <laughs> well, we, we, we'll go back to the uh, gladiators instead of wars um, idea, right? I think there's there's merit in that. Let's go back to gladiators, like with the singlets, you know, and the travelators. Uh, that would make the whole thing a lot more palatable, wouldn't it? Um, Neil said, send jet, not jets. Mm. And do you know that jet... Is a is a fantastic uh, supporter of left wing politics. She is, yeah, Ooh, yeah. Um, she supports jet as in gladiator jet. Yeah, yeah, the real one. Oh. Yeah. She she supported Jesse Joe Jacobs' campaign, didn't she? she? Did support Jesse Joe Jacobs' campaign. She, wow. did, she did come up and do a video with her about saving the uh, red ca- blast furnace. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, no, because the Tories want to obliterate all signs of our um, heritage, because that's that's what they do, isn't it? These things remind you of a time when things were actually a bit better, when people had trade unions that worked and people could afford to live on one salary in the household. So let's get rid of them uh, so that we can pretend that it never happened and you can all go bugger off at work at Amazon. Um <laughs> That's that's the that's the economic plan, isn't it? Gosh. I like, I like, um, did their manifesto say, "Remember when you had jobs, explosions"? <laughs> yes. Remember when you had jobs? Stop it. Look, we've had a we've had a Twitch comment the first one of the night. Someone Wayne the Great Bigfoot saying, "I have some secret police." I think that's a reference to maybe socialists being. The Soviet Union. I like. I like it when <laughs> when funny things happen on Twitch. When people just like either mess with us or I like it. It's funny. Just for the record, I am not a Fed. Good. Good. Just, I'm. I'm not a Fed. <laughs> but That's exactly what a Fed would say. Yeah. Exactly what say. But I'm not a Fed. Yeah, he would have already slept with all of us by now, and like you know, three kids with us. You know, Awful things that undercover feds do. <laughs> spicy, bro. Spicy. I wish spicy. it wasn't true. <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, right. What else do we have? Uh, Heather, Heather Wood was with us. I don't know if she's still with us, but she was with us. And I love Heather um, so much. And any anytime she throws me a bit of appreciation, my heart fills up because if I can be appreciated by Heather Wood, um, I'm definitely doing the right thing in life. Um, but she said, uh, there's so many places in our world where atrocities are happening. The powers that be in this world are not content with killing the planet. They want to kill everything on it. 
And then she followed that up with a comment that says capitalism kills. I mean, gosh, isn't it just the case that we just can't, we've got to that tipping point where we can't keep, like, where the ever-growing consumption of stuff is just damaging our happiness and ability to live our lives. And you could argue that it's been happening for a long time. But, yeah, going back to that thing about, you know, not not being able to, like, afford to live on two wages coming in for 40-plus hour-a-week jobs. It's just unbelievable. Jane, you are nodding. Yeah, I am. I just, so I lived um, within a, like a 20 minute commute of London, um, not because I needed to be in London, but just because that's where my husband's family all live um, for quite a lot of years until about five years ago. And I just remember how soul destroying that was then, like with two of us working full time, you know, and I had an office job, so I wasn't on minimum wage. Um, and we could like, we could barely afford to live. And it just got, in the end, we just, we left because like with two of us bringing in a full-time wage, we couldn't afford to rent a bed sit. And I could just, I just didn't sleep all the time for about 10 years. Cause I was just counting down how many years before we were on the streets, like we can't hold it off much longer. Um, and it's just so sad. It's been coming a long time. And I think it's, I mean, it's like it everywhere. I think every town, every place in the country is just a slightly different place on the ladder. I see it happening where we are now. We're just a bit further behind because we're a little bit further from London. So the cost of living is rising steeply. Um, and obviously this year is just horrendous. Just the universal credit card for, you know, people already struggling to make ends meet, having to rely on that. The national insurance hike has come in. The the utility increases and it's so it's choices isn't it we all know it's choices I was reading about EDF you know how in France the French government's putting a windfall tax on them so the French people are going to get a four percent price increase and we're having the full 54 percent whack because we can afford it obviously so it's just it's just soul destroying and I know what it did to me and my husband when we were living like that and it's just it just makes me so sad to know how many other people are going to be going through that now. It's just wrong, and there's no need for it. I've just noticed something, yeah, actually. We... Sorry, okay. sorry, Samantha, can I come in after you? But please go. Uh, well, yeah, I was just going to say, um, I mean, people who know me and people who are like on my social media will be very aware how over the last sort of year or so I've, like popped and I've come alive and I'm suddenly a lot happier and I, and I, I look better I've started doing my hair I wear clothes that I want to wear I, I spend money on things that I want uh, because I'm no longer living in hand-to-mouth abject poverty that's what it is you know and it's given me the dignity I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination but I've got the basic means to maintain my own dignity um, and to do things like get a gym membership, uh, buy healthy food, which is actually quite expensive, get my hair cut, buy some hair straighteners, get a dress with rainbows on, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. And somebody said that to me in a meeting the other day, you know, there is no dignity in poverty. And, and if you keep people down like that, they, they just can't expend the energy to imagine how things could be better 
because actually imagining that and thinking about that is 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 painful <laughs> um and it's difficult so it's so important jackie's saying in the comments where are the protests about the energy hike and the and the cost of living living hike uh are we gonna see people finally switch on and realize that if they don't stand up and do something about the way this country's run, it's going to continue and things are just going to get worse. I don't know. Go on, Paul. Uh, just on, on the cost of living crisis, I did a speech at the People's Assembly last week in Middlesbrough, if anyone wants to share that about um, some people. Um, I was told that some people who didn't understand the whole thing understood it better after watching it, so maybe it will be helpful for people to see. But um, what I was going to say is I've realised that this show hasn't really been about Saudi Arabia. It hasn't really been about anything. It's been about propaganda and it's been about that weird situation that the world finds itself in where we know there's this reality going on. We see what reality is for people, but we're told we're wrong all the time. We're, we're being told there's a narrative around it. Like, so I was, I've been thinking a lot about centrism lately. Centrism is a really, really weird concept in which, like, if you say you're a centrist, everyone goes, oh, what's sensible, isn't it? You know, you're between two ideologies. I've never met a centrist who is between any ideologies. They are the most ideologically pure people. They don't believe in anything, but apart from, like, the one or two things they do believe in, which is um, don't change anything. It used to be being called conservative, actually, if you didn't want to change anything. But no, no, the status quo is good. Let's keep it there. Let's keep this neoliberal economy that keeps billionaires getting richer. No, don't mess with that. That's fine. Everything's fine in that regard. What a massive, like, head trip that is for, for like, to say, oh, everyone knows there's something wrong, but the people who are the sensible ones who think that war is a really good idea and, like, you know, it's sensible to do a genocide are the centrists and they're the sensible ones. It's like this massive, just, it messes with my head. It really, really annoys me when I, I know the sensible people I speak to actually know this is true, but everyone accepts it because of the labels that are given. And again, I spoke to another person this week who was saying, what's wrong with centrism though? And because it sounds sensible to me. And I was like, well, yeah, it's compromise. It, it sounds like a compromise between two ideologies, but it has become its own thing. It's become its own beast. And we need to really challenge these narratives because we're getting these absurd truths that aren't true at all shoved down our throat about like, you know, like Corbyn was really pro-Putin despite the fact he was the most consistently anti-Putin um, politician over the past 20 years. And, you know, while we were rolling out the red carpet in Britain and having him ride around with a queen in a, in a thing, they... they Corbyn was saying about how we should never have had that because of uh, what he did in Chechnya, for example. But that doesn't matter because it's not what we're told. What? Uh, sorry, uh, just again, I've I've gone on a little um, rant there, but oh, my mind hurts. <laughs> it's okay. We're free from the constraints of mainstream media, but we will not go on for another three hours. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but we could if we wanted to. That's the joy of the platform. Uh, Stuart, you look deep in thought, as usual, as is your USP. Do you want to unburden yourself? <laughs> just, just on Paul's point, you know, 
yeah, people think, you know, centrism is a good idea, but the middle of something isn't, you know, applicable to all things that you come across in life. So if you had the choice to, to kill a cow or not kill a cow, you know, the halfway point in that, the centrist point in that is to half kill a cow. That, that, that's not a, a practical, you know, thing. So apply that to many of the, the nuanced and difficult situations that you would come across as a government, as a, a political party, as whatever. You know, you can't, there's not always a middle ground to be had in a, in, in a contested arena. And if, if we live in a, a purely centralised, you know, society where we're, we're always aiming for that middle ground, that that's, that's you know almost a, a simulation of reality, isn't it? That's a, a simulacra, simulacrum, where you know the the very the being of itself. There's no substance to it. You know, if you if you're just aiming to 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 go down the middle, it's it's lost itself somewhere along the lines. There's there's not always a middle. Yeah, I suppose you could chop yeah. bits off the cow. Exactly, and and but do, is is that you Not know? Not that I would do that. Like I'm a vegan, everyone. I don't yeah. do awful things to cows. No, Paul in the comments says that what we've become so obsessed with compromise, and that's something that speaks to me. You know, I was totally disengaged with politics for a very long time because it was consistently fighting over the centre ground to the point where you kind of all of the policies could have been interchangeable between the Conservatives and the Labour Party and that didn't you you then feel very disempowered as a voter because you don't feel that your vote makes a difference um and I when we come to talking about compromise you know I think compromise should be something that happens at the end not at the beginning um and <laughs> so um i mean you know for example in in my role as a councillor it's my job to advocate for Sheldon and dean valley 100 and unwaveringly until the point where you know we've got to make an agreement of some kind at the moment i'm being asked to support a um a proposal to put in a bid to have the uh, the new Great British Railways sited in Durham. Well, I mean, how do you even get to Durham from Shildon? It's, it's just a total non-starter. You know, I wasn't involved in that. If it's a discussion you're not involved with, by the way, you you know, it's not a compromise, is it? <laughs> it's something that's been imposed on you. Um, so I totally agree. I think, um, and just from the case that, you know, we've got to give people something to engage with when it comes to politics. I, I understand that some people think that um, what the voters want is, is what, what are the words, Stuart? People who are competent and normal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> subtext, boring as hell. Like, and I don't think that's what people want actually, but, uh, but you can be, you can have political ideas, but also 
look competent and look like a grown-up right <laughs> i mean surely um so yeah it's it's difficult paul says if you're going to compromise do it from a position of strength yes ideally that would be nice what else do we have what else do we have uh, neil said johnson makes mayor quimby look like a legitimate and decent politician <laughs> <laughs> it makes him look normal and competent. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, Julie's brought in the thing about the Downing Street press room refurbishment. Mm. Now, I haven't fact checked this, but it's been circulated quite a lot. So um that apparently the new Downing Street press room that costs two million pounds was carried out with a firm with Russian connections. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, but then you think about when they were going to have a new nuclear power station built at Hinkley Point. It was um, France in col collaboration with China when we were very close to China. And now the rhetoric is all that China's evil now and we can't have them having anything to do with it. They were going to put a nuclear power station on the country. Like they were going to do something that could have had a meltdown here. If you don't trust them now, why did you, what changed? Nothing really changed, did it? Nothing particularly changed. I don't know whether this is just a shifting, shifting enemy or whether, I, I, I really don't know what's going on there. But like, you know, I'm not really for putting um, that kind of power in anyone's hands. Um. But I'm really interested, you know, see what you just said there, Paul, right? I'm really interested when, when I have grandkids, what's going to be in their history books when they learn about mm. now? Like, because we're at that point in capitalism where nothing makes sense because listen to what you just said. It doesn't really make sense. At the same time, we sold off our steel to China. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We, we spent the last four or six years, um defending Corbyn against those accusations and us about being trots or links with Russia and all of that stuff and us all being Russian bots that work for Corbyn it was just ludicrous they they paid for a freaking a house in Scotland for people to sit in and monitor everything about Corbyn for like what two three years or something it's absolutely crazy that we're at this point of stupidity and capitalism that nothing makes sense how worse can it get like i get like physically but i mean in terms of like how how long till people and i think before i forget who it was in the comments someone said we were um when are people going to protest and all of that obviously people's assembly are doing their protests which are fantastic and i think open to wider than just like you know the labor left it's it's the le the wider left but when is it going to get to the point? The last time I remember people kicking off in the UK was 20, uh, 2010 uh, London riots, which spread across the UK. And that was young people kicking off. We slightly got close to it with even younger people with the environmental protests and a bit around XR, but they weren't there to actually get into trouble or actually disrupt anything really because they had been in touch with the police and said to them, look, we're going to be between here and here, but on these days. So it was pretty coordinated. When are we actually going to see people throw their desks up in the air and say, I've had enough? When are we going to see people just drive their car into the petrol garage and say, fuck the fuel companies? 
When, when are we going to see people actually drop their tools? Not trade unionists, everyone, everyone drop their tools and say, it's done. Because like, I'm ready, but I work in a left organization. So it's easy for me to do that. But when are we going to get to that point? Because it takes more than just organizing in the workplace. This is like a massive issue that everyone's going to get done over. But how done over are they going to get done before they do over the system? That's my big question. It's a perfect storm, though, isn't it? Like with with regards to it, even in unions at the minute, like I know a lot of unions now are filled with quite stuffy people at the top end who've actually thrived in this system. The ones who are sensible and look good in a suit, and they're, they're oh no 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 don't rock the boat that kind of thing. Th- th- those people are in the way. People who don't want to rock the boat are massively in the way. Sorry, I came in there and, and Stuart had his hand up nice and patiently and I was rude no no you weren't rude uh that's why I put my hand up because I know that there's <coughs> there's always something bubbling under the surface on everyone it's, there is a clock on this one there is a point where people won't be able to afford to go to work there is a you know there's a there's a countdown clock and clearly this is why Johnson and they're going and trying to stabilize fuel fuel prices because People can still get to work at the moment. You know, people aren't going to struggle to to feed their families as much as they would if this continues at this rate. You know, there's a there's a very clear point where it, it's no return for his government, isn't it? When when it gets to the point where say teachers and nurses say, look, literally, I've got no money in the bank to put fuel in the car to drive to work. That's it. I'm done. I can't go nowhere. I can't buy a ticket on the train. I can't get the bus that doesn't turn up. That's the point where this country shuts down. That's the thing. And let's not forget, because of capitalism, because we've basically privatised education, right, and pushed uh, academies and (laughs) schools have got bigger and bigger and bigger and served larger and larger areas, and teachers, because they've been uh, absolutely worked to the bone, are, are afraid to work too close to where they live, actually. So most teachers work off half an hour to an hour away from where they live so that they can have some freedom and anonymity when they're not at work. And hospitals, you know, we've closed down loads of hospitals. So, like, if you want to get anything done in County Durham, you probably have to go to Durham or Darlington, right? And because the 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 transport system, the public public transport is all run by private companies too, right? I've heard horrendous stories about the uh, bus depot in Darlington. Not only are they suffering from lack of staff because of um, because of, of all the things that happened with HGV drivers and people choosing to work for ASDA, delivering food rather than working on a bus because it's less stress, right? Um, and HGV drivers getting the pay increase because all the people who were from Europe have gone home to Europe and all that stuff. So they've got no staff because of that. And they've got no staff because of COVID and people getting COVID and having to be off. And then they've got no pieces, parts for their vehicles because of all of the havoc getting things in and out of the country because of Brexit mess and post COVID 
economic mess. So they're having to take parts out of buses to put in other buses and, and try. It's just absolute chaos there. And I mean, we, in my town, so we have um, like a bus that goes through kind of every half an hour to get to other major towns and I've heard of people who, who've stood at the bus stop and there's been two or three buses that just haven't turned up um, and that's that's like somebody's whole morning you know um, and unfortunately because of capitalism <laughs> and them being like such poor trade union representation in workplaces as well you know it means that that could be the end of somebody's job full stop one day off you're gone you know I was talking to somebody in the pub I was talking to somebody in the pub the other day um and he said he was really sad because um his girlfriend's mom had just died uh but he had to work seven days a week because he'd just been taken on by a major white goods um sh shop um and they said if he doesn't come to work he'll get the sack. Full stop. That's the world we're living in, <laughs> you know, and it's really, really desperate. I was talking to Unite the Union about some of the discussions they've been having about um, trying to get people home safely on a night shift um, and saying, you know, can we do things with licensing, of pubs for example um and say you know if you're not going to put the effort into getting your staff home safely after a night shift then maybe you shouldn't be trading in our town centers and i said that's great but the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about that is the amazon warehouses we've had about three uh, amazon warehouses pop up in the northeast recently and they obviously work like 24 hours a day and these workers obviously have no union representation because there's no unions in Amazon, right? Um, Amazon said, because they look after their staff so well, they don't need unions, right? <laughs> but they've got staff organizing informal lift share arrangements via Facebook with absolutely no safeguards in place, right? This is, if you, if you run a taxi, you've got to get, you've got to get a taxi license for good reason. You know, taxi drivers have historically killed women and <laughs> there's absolutely nothing stopping somebody from getting in one of these lift sharing groups with the intention of abusing men or women or people of, of any gender, you know, and that's something that, that we should all be worried about for these workers. Anyway, I have now gone on a rant, but since I am on a roll and <laughs> it's time for us to wind up, I will say once again, thanks very much to Dan for coming along and guest hosting us today. You've been fantastic. What's the uh, thing with you? thanks jane stewart and paul for joining us today and remember that we are on facebook and on twitch and on there's a there's a twitter channel but it's not broadcast there we're on youtube look us up and on your favorite podcast app and we're on dan's tiktok also so yeah, you man. can find our content in all of those fantastic lovely places really in literally whatever platform you're on just google so google no 
search for socialist think tank and we may, we may well pop up in the most unsurprising places you can also join socialist think tank for a glorious zero pounds and zero pence because we're in it for the love and not the money but you can give us money and the data <laughs> the data <laughs> uh, i i donate to socialist think tank um because just because i like i like like doing that it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside all right then <laughs> it is time to go bye-bye everybody big love everyone thanks for having me guys pleasure pleasure and uh just while i find the next little thing and uh find yeah that's pull. that's it now the red flag flying here